Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome back to an adventure in history. It's good to be back. And it's also um, the week of Thanksgiving. You've been in Florida. Speaking of Thanksgiving, like all your friends. Yes, we had our Friendsgiving, sort of. (laughs) Yes, a couple weeks ago, went to to Miami, South Florida. My girlfriends and I, we all graduated from the University of Miami 20 years ago. Wow. And And you're all still friends. We are best friends. There are five of us. We call ourselves the Fab Five. The Fab Five. Yes. And and you didn't just go see them. You all took your families. We did. So we see each other. We've tried for the last about decade to be together every year. And so every other year, we do the whole families. Hmm. COVID kind of threw in a, a little wrench on some of that. But so this was the all family year. And of course, it was in Florida, which everyone, you know, all the families were really happy about. So is it always in Florida? Nope. Okay. So, so do the families get along? Because obviously the five of you are all still friends and we're friends. Yep. Sharing, I assume, dorm rooms or on the yep, same exactly. dormitory or whatever. Do the families all get along or are they, they forced do. to get along? No, they do. Yeah. And I mean, because <laughs> I mean, uh, the first girlfriend got married 19 years ago. So we've known her husband for almost mm-hmm. as long as each other. And so, and Mark and I are 16 years. So it's a long time of But maybe you hanging all out. secretly disapprove of somebody's husband. <laughs> maybe, but not going to talk <laughs> you, about it on, you don't on the say, radio. You don't want to say it out loud because, right. you know, they're going to keep bringing them every other year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but it was lots of fun. And, and it was, you know, I, I kept sort of like, because we went to campus and campus is completely different. So it's, you never go home. It, so go. it was surreal being there with these girls that I was there with for four years. Mm-hmm. But then also our husbands who weren't there mm-hmm. and our kids. I mean, it's just like, wow. I mean, so you could sort of look at all these other young girls and you're like, wow, that was me 20 years ago. I'm you in 20 years. This is your future. <laughs> it is. And then Carly too, the, she kept just walking around. She's like, mom, it's a resort. <laughs> you went to school at a resort. I was like, yeah, I kind of did. In Florida. <laughs> There's like hammocks everywhere. And um, again, it's really, it's a lot nicer than it was when I was there. That's so. funny. So have they ever all come here? Um, they did for my wedding. Wow. So, oh, but that's so yep. long ago. It was. Sheesh. Yep, I know. That seems a little unfair. That's true. Because we're so much better than Florida. Right. Well, and we've added in like Indianapolis, which was fun, but it's still, you know, wow. flat. It's fascinating. <laughs> all right. Shall we get to it? Because we've got kind of, it. not by popular demand, but by somewhat demand, a couple of people mentioned. So we, we have something interesting. We got to get right to. Yes, let's do it. Um, so the history highlights, though, things uh, tomorrow, November 21st, 1789, North Carolina ratifies the Constitution, becoming the 12th state. Oh, welcome. Welcome to the party, North Carolina. You almost said my usual line. I know. Welcome I was ready. to the party. Uh, 1946, Harry Truman becomes the first U.S. president to travel in a submerged submarine. Oh, interesting. <laughs> On purpose. I guess. Uh, 1974. Freedom of Information Act is passed by Congress over President Ford's veto. Oh. He vetoed it. I don't know why. I got to check more Yeah, right. You don't know why. And as a former reporter. I loved it. Media person. We've discussed this. You like the Freedom of Information Act. Of course I do. 
Yeah. But we also agreed it does not mean instantaneous access. Right. It doesn't. But what I want to know is how often is it just slow walked versus it legitimately takes us some time to find this stuff and redact it or do whatever we need to do before we can release it. Right. It I depends think- on the request, certainly. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to take too long. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does. It does. It just it depends on the request. So if it's, you know, tons and tons of pages mm-hmm. versus one page, right? One mm-hmm. report. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so have you ever e- invoked it and demanded something? Oh, oh yes. What was your favorite thing that you demanded? Oh, and I did don't... it did it unveil something that they were hiding? No, never. Um, <laughs> it's usually police reports often. Oh, so interesting. Yep. Okay, nineteen seventy six, Rocky <laughs> opens in theaters, even though it's not a uh, organ film. Kind of, kind of significant. Yeah. Nineteen eighty, millions tune in to find out who shot Jr. I think we've discussed this before. You and I didn't, no. never cared about Dallas. Oh, yes, no. <laughs> it was, I had to look this up because I didn't know. It was Kristen Shepard, JR's wife's sister in law, and his former mistress. Oh. So he probably deserved it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I watched all of 10 minutes of that show ever. Yeah. And it was when I was visiting my grandparents. Oh, of course, right? And they were like, you should go to bed. <laughs> uh, let's see, 1989. Television cameras are permitted in British House of Commons for the first time. Oh, I kind of love watching. Yes. <laughs> what what year was that? 1989. Oh, okay. I would have guessed it was earlier because I remember kind of. It's kind of around CNN though time, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. 1992, Oregon Senator Bob Packwood issues an apology for unwelcome sexual advances. Oops. Oh, Senator Packwood, what are you doing? But our history highlight of the day, 1877, Thomas Edison announces his invention of the phonograph. Oh, that's a great one. That is a good one. Yeah. Lots of impact there. Yes, we like that one. Uh, What I missed. 1906, in San Juan, President Theodore Roosevelt pledges citizenship for people, for Puerto Rican people. All right, way to go. Yeah. I like TR, I like Puerto Rico, I like citizenship. Yes. That's three of my favorite things. Well, not my favorite things. They are American citizens. (laughs) They are. Um, So speaking of favorite things. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, we did presidential winning slogans. It was fun. And I had a couple, it was fun. I had a couple of people tell us it was fun and that they always like learning about presidents. Good. So, so we're going to keep it on for your Thanksgiving week. We are. So because we've done Thanksgiving <coughs> before. We've done Thanksgiving stuff. So today we're going to do every president's favorite food. I like it. And we're going to invite everybody listening, our loyal listeners, to play along with Mac and Alana, your, your radio pals. We're going to keep score to see which one of us, Mac or Alana, eats more like a president. Yep. So we're going to score one hash mark. Because, like, hash is food. <laughs> for if you or I have ever had the food that we're talking about. Okay. Not if we like it. Not if we eat it regularly. If we ever had it. And then play along at home for yourself. To see if you beat us. Correct. And see if you are presidential material. So we start with George Washington. Hoe cakes and honey. Mm. A Mount Vernon of uh, literature has been written about America's first president, and not all of it agrees on the identity of his favorite food. His own digital library describes him as being excessively fond of fish, but it also has an entire page dedicated to his love of hoe cakes and honey. Washington's uh, proclivity for desiring cherries, however, appears to be a tad overblown, though he certainly enjoyed them. 
So I think we have to combine them. You can't just say I've eaten honey. Right. I don't know that I've ever eaten hoe cakes because I'm not sure exactly what they are. I was going to say, is it a pancake? It's probably similar, but depending on what it was made out of. Right. I have not. So I think neither one of us on so this So not one. presidential material yet. <laughs> okay. John Adams, New England cheese. John Adams was said to have a particular affinity for New England cheese, something he required to be well-stocked during his presidency. He particularly enjoyed the cheese combined with bacon and potatoes, a taste that remains in the modern American comfort food diet. There is not a cheese out there that I don't enjoy. And you've had New England cheese? Yes. All right. Um, I have not. I'm not a big cheese fan. And even though I lived in Vermont. Oh, man. <laughs> just miles they from Shelburne of, Farms. Right. Lots of good cheese. So I, I was thinking of bluffing and claiming I had. But I'm going to be honest here. Okay. So. Thomas Jefferson, mac and cheese. Thomas Jefferson, after spending, uh, <coughs> whenever my kids make check mac and cheese when they were little, I'd say, what in cheese? <laughs> so anyway, Thomas Jefferson, after spending time in France, brought back a number of new foodie favorites with him when he returned to America, including ice cream and French fries. His top Franco dish, however, appeared to be macaroni and cheese, or as he called it, nuelli e macaroni. So I'm assuming that's a yes for you. Oh, yes. I have two young children. Okay. Although it probably isn't like the Kraft mac and cheese. It's no. probably that really like <laughs> yummy. Of course it yes. is. <laughs> and so you've had that one, the good one, like the homemade. No, because I'm not a big cheese fan. Okay. So yeah. you're. Yeah. You're going to win in a oh, big man. way on this one. Okay. Uh, James Madison, oyster ice cream. <laughs> James and Dolly Madison are often credited with popularizing ice cream in the United States. And it was definitely a staple of their presidential menu. Dolly Madison made her own and her specialty was oyster ice cream. Made with oysters she snagged from the Potomac. Absolutely not. <laughs> Doesn't that sound disgusting? It sounds awful. Yes. James Monroe, spoon bread. James Monroe maintained an affinity for Virginia spoon bread for much of his life, despite traveling the world. This delicacy, made largely from cornbread and said to have a pudding-like consistency, takes its name from the utensil required to eat it. It's a yes for me. Ooh, I have back, not. Back, it sounds delicious. Back when I ran the uh, Ethan Allen Homestead. Okay. We, we made it once. You, oh, just once. Yeah. And was it good? Um, I didn't like the consistency. Oh, okay, because it's too pudding. Yeah, it was kind of strange that, yeah. that it was bread, but it was pudding-y. Yeah. The consistency was strange, okay. but it, it, was, it tasted okay. Okay. Another good Adams president, John Quincy Adams, fresh fruit. John Quincy Adams enjoyed fresh fruit so much that he made a point of planting fruit trees around his presidential grounds and lamented having not been wise enough to plant more when he was younger. So that's a big yes for both of us. Yes. Fresh fruit is an easy one. Come on, John Quincy. <laughs> Andrew Jackson, blank mange. Andrew Jackson was known as Old Hickory, but his food taste ran a little sweeter than that. His favorite treat was a French dish known as blanc mange, probably manger or something right. like that. A gelatinous dessert thickened with cornstarch and milk. Hmm. Jackson also famously served a 1,400-pound wheel of cheese at wow. one White House party. So not really knowing what that is, I'm, I'm putting a big no. I'm not a big gelatin fan to begin with. <laughs> Anyways, anything with gelatin. Uh, Martin Van Buren, apples. Martin Van Buren loved apples, particularly combined with some other delicacy. He liked apple-themed dessert items best of all, including an apple donuts and Dutch apple cake. We can all be down with apples. Yes. William Henry Harrison, fresh vegetables. Nice. William Henry Harrison perished after 30 days of his presidency, but not mm. because of his diet. Uh, the real cause, of course, was pneumonia, because he didn't wear a coat, and he gave a really, 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 really long speech uh, for his inaugural address. Really? Uh-huh. 
Oh, that's terrible. It was like really stormy out, and he was like, <gasps> I'm manly. I don't need a coat. Oh. And then he gave a really long speech, and he was out there forever. Uh, Harrison favored fresh vegetables, um, and he bragged in several letters about the superior state of his garden. Mm. So that's a big yes for both of us, I'm assuming. Yes. All right. John Tyler, Tyler's pudding pie. John Tyler was said to eat a form of sugar pie so much and to serve it to guests so often that the treat became known as Tyler's pudding pie. <laughs> I like when you have something named after you. Yeah. But I'm not really sure what that is either, so I'm going to have to assume I have not. Well, right, because it's his. I've had pudding pies, though. I mean, haven't we all had a pudding pie at some point? Yeah, you know? but the fact that it's sugar, a form of sugar pie. Oh, okay. So. I don't know. All right. I'm assuming We no. won't do it. Okay. And we definitely have the, hadn't had this next one. James K. Polk, vinegar pie. Ugh. I'd rather go with the sugar pie. <laughs> Most presidents have a favorite type of pie, but James K. Polk is alone in preferring a sweet and savory vinegar pie, and he's likely to remain that way. Interesting. Uh, Zachary Taylor, cherries. George Washington is the president most closely associated with cherries, but perhaps it should be Zachary Taylor. He enjoyed the fruit so much that he was still asking for them right before he passed, and he managed to eat copious amounts of them before ultimately perishing. I assume we're both down. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Cherries are great. All right. I do like cherries, too. Millard Fillmore, soup and stew. Mm. Uh, Fillmore had a mundane palate. He was said to enjoy soups and stews, and his last words were reportedly in reference to a bowl of soup. The nourishment is palatable. Mm. It is perhaps more accurate to say that Fillmore enjoyed soup as much as he enjoyed anything else than to call it his favorite. I like the <laughs> palatable. I know. It's That's only what, a compliment. It is. So one of my pet peeves is, you know, oh, how was that, uh, that hamburger? Oh, not bad. I know. Yeah. Really? Okay, that means it's not bad. It's is not, it good? Are you know. enjoying it? <laughs> it's not good either. <laughs> so we're both down with soup and yes. stews? All right. Franklin Pierce, New Hampshire-style fried apple pies. Franklin Pierce was the first president born in New Hampshire, and he brought a taste for the classic New Hampshire-style fried apple pies with him to the White House. Yes. Okay, I don't think I've had a fried... Maybe a fried hand pie, but... You talk about like going through McDonald's? No, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, the round ones. Yeah. 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 Okay. I guess we can count those. They're All fried. Right. James Buchanan, fresh Philadelphia butter. James Buchanan liked his butter and he liked it best from Philadelphia. <laughs> so much so that he regularly had a locked brass kettle of wow. it delivered to the White House from Philadelphia. The kettles were eventually used to pass secret messages. Ooh. I was going to say, why would it so, be locked? So why is Philadelphia butter better? I don't know. I mean, I've had butter. I like butter. <laughs> Philadelphia cream cheese, right? I mean, they like their, so, their uh, forms may, of maybe milk. If, does it count? Like maybe I had a bagel or something once when I was in Philadelphia. I think that would count. You think? But it does say fresh. Yeah. So, so okay. I'm going to say no. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, chicken fricassee. Honest Abe Lincoln was a simple man with simple tastes, including corned beef, cornbread, and corn uh, something. Corn pone. Pone, corn pone, but his notoriously shy appetite could be tempted by a plate of chicken fricassee, chicken simmered in sauce. Mary Todd Lincoln described it as his absolute favorite dish, and there's been heavy speculation about whether or not it was also his final meal. Lots of these are final meals. I know. That's um, how they know it's his favorite. Chicken simmered in sauce. I mean, yes. Yes, I'm assuming as well. <laughs> I don't know what kind of sauce, but there's a special. And I'm also wondering if we're mispronouncing that I word. know. Fricassee, maybe? I don't know. Somebody out there is laughing at us. Sorry, folks. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew Johnson. Hoppin' John. Mm. 
Andrew Johnson most enjoyed the southern delicacies of his youth, including a dish called Hoppin' John, a rice and pea-based construction. I have not. I'm going to assume no for yeah. me. Ulysses S. Grant's lemony rice pudding. Ulysses S. Grant had his own recipe for a simple rice pudding that included a special lemon flavor. The dish was said to be a favorite of Grant's during his military campaigns and time in the White House. No, I've had rice pudding, uh, but not lemon rice pudding. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. I I, like rice pudding. And I'm kind of laughing, but I love the idea of president, (laughs) military leader of the Civil War, and he's got his own little recipes in the kitchen, cooking something up. It just seems so out of place. Like a refreshing little, yep. (laughs) And I I just picture him like having... Having like Abraham, meeting with Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln's like, okay, so how are we doing on the Antietam, and how are we doing that? And he says, oh, I was busy making some rice pudding. Put a little lemon into it. It's delightful. <laughs> and Lincoln going, oh, that's a good idea. I'll yeah. try that. All right. Uh, Rutherford B. Hayes, cornmeal pancakes. Rutherford Hayes only allowed himself a single cup of coffee with breakfast every day, but he also greatly enjoyed his daily serving, daily, every day, of cornmeal batter cakes. That was so sweet. That was as sweet as it gets for Hayes, known for being somewhat uptight. I've definitely had those. I they have as well. They are so good. Would they be your favorite kind of pancakes? Um, uh, maybe, yeah. Because wow. they're crispier, right? They're yummy. Okay. Uh, James Garfield, squirrel soup. After contracting dysentery during military service, James Garfield had to stick to a diet he knew worked, and that included a regular serving of squirrel soup. A personal favorite. He continued to eat squirrel soup even while occupying the White House to some notoriety. Nope, haven't done that. I have. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How have you? So, Where do they serve so it? After college, I worked for a while for a nonprofit in uh, southern Arkansas. You say LA, lower Arkansas. And they served it to me once. There was some kind of like a, not a roadkill dinner, but it oh. was a, a hunting dinner. And of course, I was. My joke was I only hunt with my car because I hit a deer. Um, and there were all kinds of wacky, strange things. And I got a bowl of squirrel soup. Wow. And I wouldn't have noticed. I mean, I, I would have said it was chicken. I mean, I honestly didn't know. <clears throat> it, it wasn't brothy like chicken. It was kind of thicker, more like a stew. But I was like, what is this? And they all said, it's squirrel. <laughs> and I started laughing. It's like, no, really, what is it? And they were like, it's squirrel. Wow. And I said, how would... Is, how is it even worth hunting a squirrel or catching? How much meat is there on a squirrel? And where do they process it? We're probably in their kitchens Weird. at home. Oh, <laughs> probably in the back of their pickup truck. I don't know. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. I mean, I wouldn't actively order squirrel stew again if I could, but uh, it, it was not terrible. So. <laughs> it was not terrible. <laughs> not there bad. we go. Not bad. <laughs> Chester A. Arthur, mutton chops. <laughs> Easy to remember Chester A. Ar- Arthur's preferred dish he wore an infamous set of mutton chops on his face, and that also happened to be his favorite food. He was a light eater overall, typically chowing down on just a single chop for dinner on many nights. Nope. Yeah, I've eaten one, not a fan. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, a light eater, I mean, there's nothing light about about mutton. I mean, of course you only eat one, right? All right, Grover Cleveland, who we discussed two weeks ago, is a horrible person. Uh, Corned beef and cabbage. Grover Cleveland loved corned beef and cabbage so much that he preferred it over the finer cuisine whipped up by White House chefs. Yum. And think think about it, we're getting closer to, to kind of having a fancy White House at this yeah. point and private chef and all that good stuff. On one occasion, Cleveland reportedly smelled corned beef and cabbage being cooked for his servants. 
and insisted on having that for dinner instead of the presumably fancier dinner that had already been prepared for him. He then announced it was the best dinner he'd had in months. It does smell really good. It does. So, so yes, yes. For both of us are, right? And not just on St. Patty's Day. That's the only time I've had it. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you know you can buy it all the time. And at Rotary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how funny. Uh, Benjamin Harrison, Terrapin. Uh, Benjamin Harrison's favorite food is tough to pin down, but his family seemed to greatly enjoy holiday-style feasts while living in the White House, including um, dinner at which terrapin turtle was part of the meal. Ugh. I've had turtle soup. <gasps> With actual turtle? Yeah. Okay, I think that counts. Oh. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> what does it taste like? Oh, I don't even remember. that. It was a restaurant in the Keys, and so we actually drove by it when we were down in South Florida, and I <laughs> pointed out to my husband, that's where I had turtle soup. <laughs> Just this past time yeah, you were there? That's yeah. funny. So it seems like, again, is there enough meat to make it worth it? But the one nice thing is it comes with its own serving bowl. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. William McKinley, the McKinley omelet. Mm. William McKinley was noted for his enormous breakfasts, which often included what came to be known as the McKinley omelet, a casserole-like version of the classic morning dish. I've made one. I kind of think, yeah, yep. I mean, my wife calls it, uh, Renee calls it um, breakfast casserole. Yep, so do we. Okay. But I it's like of, a thicker omelet, right? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's what it is. So Here's I'm, another I'm good sure. one. Okay. Theodore Roosevelt, fried chicken and gravy. Teddy Roosevelt liked to regularly eat meat of any variety, but he loved nothing more than fried chicken. Said to be able to take down more than a whole chicken in a single serving, <laughs> wow. Roosevelt probably would have been a fan of KFC and Popeyes had they existed in his day. He once stated that the only way to serve fried chicken is with white gravy soaked into the meat. <laughs> yep. I love TR. Yep. <laughs> and that makes me like him even more. <laughs> yes. Although eating a whole chicken kind of makes me laugh. Oh, yes. All small. right. But speaking of eating a whole something, William Taft, 12-ounce steaks. Wow. And keep in mind, there's a plural there. <laughs> William Taft is infamous for being the heaviest president, and his daily diet might explain why. Among other foods, Taft would eat a 12-ounce steak with breakfast, wow. lunch, Ooh. and dinner each day. And sometimes, he'd have two with dinner. Oh, my goodness. That's insane. That is That cannot be good for you. Now, I've had a 12-ounce steak, but not three times a day and not two for dinner. That's insane. Oh. Yeah. I've had, I mean, I don't know that I've eaten, it doesn't, we don't have to have eaten the whole thing. There's leftovers. Right, okay. (laughs) Woodrow Wilson, raw eggs. Woodrow Wilson was plagued with health issues throughout his presidency, which may be why he favored a boxer's breakfast of two raw eggs and grape juice. Some believe his food choice was doctor recommended. I have not. Never even a raw egg. See, the closest I would think to that is like, okay, after making like the cake mix or the brownie mix and then pouring... I've like licked the bowl. Sure, right? <laughs> Which you're not supposed to anymore, right? And they always say contains raw, raw eggs. eggs. But I don't think that counts. No. Warren G. Harding, knockwurst and sauerkraut. Mm. Warren G. Harding <laughs> kept some habits in the White House considered unsavory, including drinking and gambling and being incredibly dishonest and a thief <laughs> and corrupt. Uh, while engaged in those activities, Harding insisted on passing around bowls of <laughs> knockwurst and sauerkraut making him an early adopter of pub-style finger food. Uh, yes, uh, definitely. No, sounds no, good. No for me. Sounds good. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, Calvin Coolidge, pickles. Calvin Coolidge had a sour reputation and eating habits to match. He was said to constantly nibble on various foods and most frequently pickles. He and First Lady Grace Coolidge were also early American adopters of Chinese cuisine, thanks to a live-in steward who came from China. So I'm assuming yes. Yes. Okay. 
not a huge pickle fan. Oh, I love pickles. Herbert Hoover, marshmallows on a sweet potato. Herbert Hoover thought marshmallows cooked on top of a sweet potato was the height of deliciousness. So much so that he left his own recipe for the treat in the presidential archives. It's Thanksgiving week, folks. This is when you would have had it, right? Do you do it? I've had it, and I don't enjoy it. I'm not a big (laughs) sweet potato fan. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, scrambled eggs and hot dogs. FDR had relatively simple tastes, even as president, preferring to dine on the same dishes ordinary Americans regularly enjoyed. His favorites included such mundane meals as scrambled eggs and hot dogs, though it is unknown whether or not he ever combined the two. I was going to say, I mean, did he have them together? At first, I thought that was together, but they just can't choose which one. Okay, so so, yeah, definitely. Harry Truman, his mom's fried chicken. Aww. Harry Truman never encountered a meal he enjoyed more than his mother's fried chicken, though he also developed an affinity for meatloaf later in life, as long as it did not contain onions. Oh, so I'm going to have to say we don't, we can't count that because yeah. it's his mother's exactly. fried chicken. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, corn pudding. Dwight Eisenhower enjoyed corn pudding so much that it was referred to as the president's corn pudding on the official White House menu during his time there along with Ike's Vegetable Soup and Mammy's Million Dollar Fudge. I mean, if corn pudding is cornbread. I I don't think so. Okay, it's different. I think it might be. Uh, John F. Kennedy, of course, New England clam chowder. Um, He always loved that, uh, especially at lunchtime. Lyndon Johnson. Oh, I assume we both had that. Yes. All right. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, extra spicy deer sausage. Visitors to the LBJ Ranch were greeted with the president's own deer sausage, which had been described has been described as extremely spicy. Uh, heat appeared to be a big part of Johnson's palate, as he always uh, greatly flavored. He also uh, greatly flavored Mexican cuisine. I say yes. I've had deer sausage. I mean, yeah, an I elk, right here. Yeah. Richard Nixon cottage cheese with ketchup. <laughs> During Nixon's incomplete stay at the White House, he had a habit of eating cottage cheese with ketchup for breakfast every day. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll pass on that one too. Gerald Ford, pot roast with and red cabbage. Mm-hmm. Gerald Ford is known for his controversial pardoning of Richard Nixon, but he didn't ruffle many feathers with his rather ordinary favorite dish, pot roast and red cabbage. Yes. Yep. Jimmy Carter, grits. Love it. Just came mm-hmm. from the South, ate grits. Uh, he's credited with kickstarting the golden age of grits in the United States due to his well-publicized love of the simple staple food. Yeah. See, I thought that would be peanuts, <laughs> but... I'm not a big grits fan. I don't like the consistency of it, but I have tasted it. I was forced to taste it once. That means you haven't had the right style. Oh, they're so good. You ever had my scones? Exactly. All right. Ronald Reagan, jelly beans. We all know that. But he first started eating jelly beans as he attempted to uh, stop smoking. Interesting. I didn't realize that. So we've all had jelly beans. And then he had an uncontrollable jelly bean habit. He did. (laughs) (laughs) George H. Walker Bush, pork rinds and Tabasco. While campaigning for president, he caused a stir and a spike in sales when he admitted to fondness for pork rinds, especially when paired with Tabasco sauce. For added flavor. I have not had pork rinds. I have not either. Yeah. Disgust me, the idea of it. Yeah, doesn't sound good. Bill Clinton, egg McMuffins. (laughs) Bill Clinton caught a lot of flack for his unhealthy diet, which included jalapeno cheeseburgers and chicken enchiladas slathered in Velveeta cheese. But a particular favorite, however, was the egg McMuffin. So Clinton and the uh, Secret Service regularly made impromptu morning trips to McDonald's. Nice. Yes, I've had it. I have never. Oh, there you go. George H or George W. Bush cheeseburger pizza. His uh, the most frequent request from the White House kitchen was reportedly a monstrosity known as cheeseburger pizza, beef, bacon, tomatoes, cheese, pickles, ketchup, and mustard on top of a simple margarita pizza. 
I've had a cheeseburger pizza, but I don't know if I've had that. That description mix. knocks yeah. it out. Yeah. So, okay. nope. Barack Obama, of course, cheeseburgers. Mm. We know that. And uh, he claimed once it was broccoli, but <clears throat> nobody believed <laughs> right. him. Donald Trump, we uh, know it's Big Macs and Flayo Fish, but uh, he actually usually orders two Big Macs and two Flayo Fishes and no fries. Ugh. So, Big Mac? Yes, I've had Flayo Fish. Yep. Okay, so okay. I have as well. All right, Joe Biden ice cream. Uh, and he's still, right? Like, see him with ice cream all the time. According to various sources, he loves Italian food, particularly pasta with red sauce. But people close to him have spoken more often about his love for ice cream. All so. right. So the results are in. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. By dun, a score dun, dun, dun. of 27 to 24, oh. you are more, you eat more presidentially than I do. But not by much. See, <laughs> you did. So you, see, you stepped up. See, we discussed before we went on the air whether we should count whether we like it. That's true. Whether we've eaten it in the past year or whether we've ever had it. Okay. So I yeah. think if it was like, it would be a much different, much, you'd score much higher than I that. would. <laughs> I did. <laughs> So that was fun. Yeah, that's good. Do we have anything to plug? No, other than just have a great Thanksgiving this week, folks. We talked about food, and so gather with uh, those you love and or call those you love and tell them how thankful you are for them. And see how many presidential things you can eat. Exactly. <laughs> what do you want to add to your, to your menu this week? <laughs> <laughs> Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.